I do remember after the Portland show, we were supposed to head down to San Francisco or Los Angeles, and we stopped in Sausalito at the Golden Gate Bridge in yeah. San Francisco, and we got to check that out. We had a day off, and we got to touch the Pacific Ocean, yeah, which was probably one of the most coolest experiences I've ever had because and I remember sitting there and saying to myself, I'm 3,000 miles away from home. Yeah, I've gotten here playing music, and I'm with my best friends. Yep. And I am touching a complete opposite ocean. Like just cool. Yeah. I never would have imagined that. And I just, you know, having that gratitude in that moment just made it so much sweeter. Nice. Like, despite the despite the difficulties, despite the challenges. Yeah. Um, it was definitely still a, an amazing experience. Yeah. Welcome to Tardux, a podcast for content creators to come share their experiences, stories, and pass along some advice. And today I have one of the legends of Tarkov, Dottie Hack. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, everybody? So what we normally do on the pod is we start off with three rapid fire questions to get the juices flowing. So are you ready? Absolutely. Let's dive right into it. All right. So any band, past or present, you can kick the drummer out and you get to play with them. Who are you playing with? Slipknot. Wow, 100%. you didn't even bat an eye. No that hesitation. Was it. No hesitation. Right. Ever since I was a little kid and I discovered music. Um, Wait, no hang disrespect on. Little to Jane kids... Weinberg, by the way. Hang on. A little kid's <laughs> discovering Slipknot. That's not two multiple words you hear in the same sentence. Right, yeah. So <laughs> I started listening to music when I was like 8, 9, 10 years old. Uh, like Linkin Park was one of the first bands that I discovered when they started hitting the scene. Yeah. And then I came across Slipknot. Uh, I think the first album I'd actually heard by them was uh, Subliminal Versus Volume 3. So I was a little, like, couple albums down the line. Yeah. But as soon as I heard that and I saw, like, the st the outfits and the, the stage energy, I just got hooked. And, like, nice. if, you, if you were to ask me any band on the planet, like, I'd say Slipknot is the best metal band of all time. Thanks. All no right. disrespect to Jane Wy Jay Weinberg, by the way. I love yeah. him. And, and Joey Jordison was one of the greatest of all time. Um, but that would definitely be a, a mantle I would love to take up. Very cool. All right. Second question. Sketchiest place you've ever played? Uh, like music? Yes. Uh, ooh. Um, okay. There's a couple of places that come to mind. Yeah. Um, one was uh, Trenton, New Jersey. <laughs> there's a bar there called The Championship, and it was actually a pretty notable venue for like a lot of smaller like hardcore and metal bands coming across the east yeah uh, so they'd book a lot of shows and i remember one day we were there on tour and we were getting ready to pack and if you know the streamer ash iv he yes. was with me in the band at the time no way when this happened so we were unloading from a show in new jersey afterwards and there was a club or a nightclub or something that let out like right down the street yeah and like 50 people all start gravitating towards the venue where we were loading out with all of our gear. And like, we don't know these people they are around tens of thousands of dollars worth of music equipment. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like these like fights start breaking out and oh my God, like Ash and I are looking at each other and we're like, bro, we got to go. We got to get out of here, dude. Um, I'm pretty sure like somebody, somebody had to have like a knife or something. We were just super sketched out. And I remember like, we were all rushing. We were like, we got to get the 
we got to get Steph out of here, man. We got to go. We got to go. And it was just one of the most weird experiences I'd ever had loading out yeah. uh, from a venue. So that was probably one of the creepiest things that's ever happened. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, Third question. Was... You can have a conversation with anybody in history. Who are you having with? Ooh, that's, that's a, a really hard one. That's a deep um, one. Uh, if, if I must... Um, I'm not really one for like historical figures or, or uh, uh, public figures. Um, two people that would come to mind. One, I'll give you a sports one. Would yep. be Cal Ripken Jr. Mm-hmm. As an as an Orioles fan, somebody who grew up on the East Coast, watching them since I was a boy, like he was the Iron Man. He was yep. the greatest third baseman of all time. And um, for for like philosophical people, I probably want to sit down and have a conversation with Alan Watts. Okay. He, cool. he's just he's just has this very unique understanding of life um, and how he came to these these theories and these these beliefs that he has was just it's just he's just an incredible person to listen to. I listen to his lectures quite often and yeah. uh, he has a lot of really good like advice to uh, to take in. So I, I'd love to sit down, you know, have a cup of coffee with him and have a conversation if I could. All right. Cool. All right. So let's jump into it. First of all, how was your first hot tub stream? Oh, that was, uh, that, was so, that was so much fun. Uh, getting to hang out with Mushu was really cool. It was his birthday. Um, so, you know, anytime I get a chance to see a friend from Twitch, like I'm always I'm always yeah. going to hang out like Batty and Party Pineapple came out for PAX West last year. So we all got to see them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, anytime I get to see somebody that I know through the community, like I'm always happy to like reach out, spend some time with that. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty good time. That's cool. <laughs> And uh, yeah. Batty, is Batty as crazy as he seems? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But that's, <laughs> oh. that's what makes him so special. That's what right. makes him so unique. Like, yeah. the guy just the guy just knows how to have a good time. He is he's just an entertainer. Like, yeah. Like through and through. Like the guy is just he has a to- uh, an intoxicating personality. So, like, yeah, of course, like he gets so much love. I have so much respect for him. He does so many cool things. But he is definitely uh, a lot of fun to be around in person. Oh, cool. All right. So Dottie Hack, sports fan, musician, content creator. Let's see where, you know, where did it all start? So you grew up on the East Coast? Yeah. So I grew up just outside of Baltimore and D.C. I was like and I was in a town literally 20 minutes between each. So I'd always yeah. go back and forth. Um, and, you know, my dad and my mom, uh, you know, I got this semi Catholic school, so I was playing sports all the time. Yeah, I was really big into baseball. Uh, so we went to a lot of Orioles games. Uh, I grew up I grew up a Washington football fan, but I ended up becoming a Ravens fan because I couldn't. I, I, that team is just a nightmare. <laughs> yes. um, and then I was always just a big hockey fan. So I was always watching the Capitals when I was young. You yeah. know, Adam Oates, Sergei Gonchar, uh, Olaf Kolzig, like yeah. Adam Oates names like some legendary names oh yeah so i had always just been a big hockey fan excellent um, and and like now like we've just been talking about uh living out in seattle being a kraken fans even more fun it's, yeah it's such a good time. cool and now what is your favorite sport to see sports to see live is it hockey or it's you... it absolutely hockey yeah i do have a lot of love and respect for like going to baseball games yep. because you can kind of sit back you can talk with your friends have a beer, yeah. get kind of relaxed. Like baseball games are pretty relaxing for the most part. Yeah. Um, and the atmosphere at a baseball game is pretty nice. But uh, hockey games are just they're fi- the fans are fired up. Everyone's getting into it. Uh, you know, every, it's, it's an up and down sport. Yeah. It's just action packed. So hockey yeah. definitely takes the cake for me. 
Yeah, the speed, the hitting, the just being there live is a totally different experience than what you see on TV. Oh, yeah, and absolutely and hearing everything, hearing yeah. the boards clack, the sticks smack up against each other, the pucks. Yeah, like it's all the all the different audio cues that you don't always get yeah. from a telecast just make the experience so much better. Yeah. And what's really cool, too, is here in Seattle, we have the high the largest adult hockey league in the united states so i actually have a set of gear and i've been looking to try and join a league yeah to go play hockey like on the side like friday night like pickup games or something yeah oh neat so i'm from canada originally so we grew up playing road hockey street hockey you know snow banks on the side of the roads checking each other into that did you play hot road hockey growing up as well or you know is that not a thing down in the states or in Um, where you grew up my cousin up in Pennsylvania played hockey, but yeah. my parent like it wasn't like a big budget thing for me and my family. So yeah. I, I mainly stuck to baseball, but we did have hockey sticks and like we played roller hockey out on the oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd get snowstorms where I lived, but uh for most part, like during the spring and summer, that's when we'd, you know, get the roller skates on, go yeah. up to the end of the cul-de-sac, set up two goals and just go to town, nice, you know, for the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Back to live sports, you know, for me. Hockey's my top, but, you know, baseball, going to the, like, you know, out here in the East, we got uh, Fenway. So going to Fenway, you walk up, you see the diamond. And that's just, there's something special about those moments when you go into those parks. And, and yeah, like you said, kick back, have a beer, chat with whoever you're there with. But, you know, after, you know, a few innings, I'm ready to go home. That's. that's yeah. 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 So. It's like, but like I, I have a goal to get to every ballpark. I think I've been to five. Yeah. Uh, five or six Fenway. I've, I was outside of Fenway for PAX East yeah. in 2019, but I haven't been to a game there. So I'd love to go to a game. There. I don't know how the Red Sox fans would like an Orioles fan showing up anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's but, wild. Yeah. 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 So I've been to, I've been to, you know, when, when the Expos were in town, uh, the, Olympic Stadium years and years ago. I've been to the Sky Dome, Fenway, and I think that's it. Sky Dome is it's a tough place because the fans it's just so large and it just feels very corporate and it's not like Fenway or some of those, you know, smaller ballparks. Right. Yeah, and funny you mentioned the Expos because they became the Washington Nationals. Yes, they did. So that was the other baseball team that was right down the street. And I always, and I, I had a great appreciation for them, but I was sticking to my black and orange. I was yeah. never going to abandon the Orioles. No. Um, but I got I got to tell you, some of those games between the Orioles and Nationals, that Beltway series is a yeah. lot of fun to go to. Oh, you I get bet. everybody from in town packing in. Nats Park's amazing. Camden Yards is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, like, and if you get a chance to go to a baseball game at either of those places, do it you will you will love the experience it's so much fun and the food at camden yards oh uh, you gotta get yourself like a pulled pork sandwich from boogs or like a crab cake yeah that's that's the specialty (laughs) there yeah i've heard so many good things about camden it's it's just definitely one of the places you got to check out a game absolutely yeah cool all right so where does the name come from rumor has it it has some ties to anime yeah uh, there was an anime that I used to watch when I was really young called Dot Hack Sign. Um, and I used to go pick up like the little VHS boxes or DVDs back from uh, Suncoast. Yeah. Which was like one of the old OG stores where you could get like games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so like when the Internet came out, when like I used to have to go to Wizards of the Coast to play LAN. In uh, OK. Those, like in those uh, stores. Yeah. And then when the Internet started coming out at home online, like we had like the dial up. So. 
and it was like it was, it was no good um so i started playing counter-strike and that was the alias that i had was dot hack and eventually everyone just started calling me dotty yeah so, uh, as like gaming grew as i started getting more into competitive counter-strike and things yeah. like that i just kind of changed the name to dotty hack and so like everybody just calls me dotty and then it just I, it just it's been like yeah. that ever since excellent yeah. so where when did you start gaming what was your first memories of, of playing video games um i like i started around nine eight nine ten years old uh we i i first had a nintendo 64 so we yeah. were playing goldeneye we were playing mario kart um yeah. there was a there was a really fun game that me and my buddies all used to play called gauntlet legends and mm -hmm. it was a four player. I, they used to have an arcade yes. and they made it into an N64 game. And then me and my buddies would get like Mountain Dew and Doritos and we'd go <laughs> over to everybody's house on Friday night and we'd stay up to the ass crack of dawn. Yeah. Playing Gauntlet Legends, like just trying to beat every level in every dungeon. Nice. Uh, so that's where it all started for me. And yeah. then around 2012 ish, I got my hands on my first computer and started playing like Half-Life. Yeah. Uh, Battlefield 1942. Yeah um doom things like that uh and then counter-strike came along and then you know the rest yeah that counter-strike took it from there you know yeah now what was your you know if you have to pick a couple of favorite games what are some of the games you know what are a couple of them that really stand out that is like yep yeah, those were great experiences or still today are great games for you my favorite game franchise of all time is metal gear yeah i got the i got a little this plate poster back there yeah i love the story uh, Hideo Kojima just had such a, a like a brilliant way of explaining stories and having like immense levels of like unique gameplay. Oh, like, yeah. We you got to remember the Psycho Mantis boss fight where you can't beat him unless you pull the controller out and plug it into the second port on your on your uh, <laughs> PlayStation because he's reading your thoughts and knows what you're doing. Oh, just, my like, God. In my in my opinion, I think that was one of the greatest franchises of all time. Um, yeah, up up there as well as Halo. Mm -hmm. uh, those the first three games had such amazing storytelling. Um, uh, some of the James Bond games were always really good to go back yeah. and play, like 007 Goldeneye. Like that's just that's yeah. just one that like is for the ages. It's for the history books. Yeah. So. Ah. Yeah, I didn't get sucked into the Metal Gear game series until Phantom Pain, and that one just blew my mind it was so good oh, there were so many ways you could do your missions right yeah so if you have the ability to if you get your hands on like a ps3 i think yeah you gotta play metal gear solid 3 snake eater that's like the that is like the or origin story of the yeah. game uh so that's where the timeline starts oh, okay Fan phantom pain is based off of the ending events of big boss mm -hmm. from metal gear solid 3 okay so that's that's where like that arc starts yeah okay but i think i want to say that started in like the 70s 80s and then yeah phantom pain was like in the late 80s going mm -hmm. into the 90s and then the newer metal gears like metal gear solid 2 and 4 were solid snake not big boss so it's the it's his like clone it's yeah it's <laughs> it's, it's such a good story and if you play it, you, you'll be sucked into it for probably like 30 plus hours. If you watch yeah. it, if you're a cutscene person. Yeah. Okay. I love watching all the cutscenes. So like there's an ending cutscene in Metal Gear Solid 4 that's like an hour long. Oh, my and God. Yeah. So it's just rich storytelling. Like yeah. you don't get games like that anymore. No. Yeah. Hideo is he's out there. Some of the stuff he comes up with like, holy crap. Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't played Death Stranding, but I've wanted to try that, and I've heard yeah. that uh, I've heard that he's making a follow up to that. So. Yeah. Cool. All right. So before we get into the whole streaming aspect of things, so you were a professional musician touring the country. Uh, you know, when did you start playing drums and what made you pick drums? So <laughs> this is always a fun story to tell. I love telling this. Um, when I was 16, I was a lifeguard. Like that was like my first job had yeah. in the summertime. And I found the likes of Killswitch, Slipknot, Lamb of God, uh bands like that bullet for my valentine and when i was bored and no one was at my pool i would just like listen to my ipod and i just like pretend i was playing the drums yeah and one of my best friends that i met in uh at the time his name was bernie and he's like what are you uh are you a drummer i'm like no i just like listening to this music and then we started talking about the music and he's like oh well you'd be a pretty good drummer so he invites me over to his house one day and we're playing like uh, I think we were playing rock band at the time because Guitar Hero didn't have the drums added to it. Yeah. But he would he would play like Guitar Hero and he would just it would just shred. I was like, do you know how to play guitar? He's like, yeah. So he pulls out this BC rich warlock that he had. It was super <laughs> oh, cool looking. And then we got on uh, rock band and I started playing on the drums and I was actually pretty proficient at it for a long time. And yeah, he's like you're pretty good at this, man. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. So for my 18th or for my high school graduation, and my parents hated me for this, I asked them for a drum set, an acoustic drum set. Okay. So that summer in 2008, I got my first acoustic drum set and Bernie and I started a band in our basement. We played it. We played a couple shows before like that ended up fizzling out. Yeah. But that's where it all began. It all began parents basement with the drum set. He brought over his his little little combo amp with yeah. his bc rich we started writing a couple jams played a couple shows we did like a one we did like a battle of the bands thing in like 2009 yeah uh which was so much fun like our all of our parents come out you know cheering <laughs> you on all that stuff so that's where it started and then i found a couple other groups that i joined where like we were signing a record deal and we started touring and yeah. like it started to become like a very professional thing um and it's something that i've always just loved and enjoyed and you know Having played Tarkov for about five years, like yeah. I'm so happy that I have like the ability to play drums in my house and just like whenever yeah. I want. Like that is the biggest, the biggest like uh, that's like the biggest passion of mine. I'd say I'd, I'm probably more passionate about music than I yeah. am even gaming. Yeah. Oh wow. So now, what would you? So now, how did you end up meeting Ash then? So Ash was in another band at the time. I forget what they were called. Uh, but his band was really popular. They had some huge covers. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Amos. I think, yeah, that's it. The band's name was Amos. And I knew him through like, you know, social networking through yeah. music. I think his band ended up fizzling out and him and I had always been buds because we'd always talk hockey. And yeah. like whenever his band came through, like I'd go hang out with them. Uh, so eventually I asked him if he wanted to join the band and he did. And we were like lights out. Like I still have, I get, photos popping up on my facebook (laughs) like seven years ago and it's me and him like decked out in paint and we're going like a photo shoot or we're playing in a show in like ohio or new york or whatever it's 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 all it was really good but uh he was definitely somebody that was like very creatively inspiring yeah at times and was always he had like his craft was perfect he always showed up played hard did exactly whatever he needed to do and like just he nailed it every time very cool So like when he started getting into Tarkov, he's like, 
wait a minute, you played Tarkov? And then it was, like, I think, like, Battlestate retweeted something of mine on their launcher, yeah. and it's like, no way! And it was like, you play? And then we were just like, what? Oh, my so God, was, yeah. Mind yeah, it's really cool. That's awesome. Small so, world. It is, absolutely. So now, you know, as, you know, doing the whole touring scene, what was the highlight, you know, that really sticks, you know, is there a certain highlight that sticks out, like you played this place, or, you know, this one show was just, like, you know, balls out, just fantastic? Um, I think some of the highlights were always doing like the, we, we would always do like a local warp tour show every once in a while. Oh, and no way. Like we were pretty, we were pretty decently known in our area. Yeah. And when we had gotten to play Baltimore, I think we had like 1200 people show up to our set. Yeah. And like, that was probably one of the best shows we'd ever played. I literally walked off the stage in like a hundred degree weather after just throwing down for 30 minutes straight and almost like collapsed. Oh my like, God. It was just, it was absolutely insane. The crowd was loving it. Yeah. The whole band was into it. It was just such a remarkable experience. And some of the other places I remember um, playing most notably was like down in Dallas. I think we played a place called the profit bar, which is attached to the door, which is a huge venue. Yeah. Uh, anytime, anytime, usually we ever played down in a place like Texas, like, bands would always show up the shows yeah. were always super energetic uh those were a lot of fun so oh cool and yeah. now on the opposite side of that what was the hardest thing about being a touring musician oh man it was it's probably not having any money i yeah. had like a couple loans uh i almost like got uh defaulted on or had like cars repossessed yeah i couldn't af i could barely afford rent at times um you know you'd get i remember this specifically and Ashwood too. We uh we got to South Dakota. We played in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, like random place, middle of nowhere. <laughs> Weird, cool town, but we had two people at the show, and one of them was the bartender. And you're just like, oh, oh man, this is rough. Like, so depending on whether or not your band had a pay deal that night, yeah. If the promoter did their job, um, you know, you'd maybe make a couple bucks here and there sometimes you didn't sometimes you got stiffed and yeah. those types of experiences were always really rough because like you you have to find a way to put gas in the tank to get to the next show you yeah. barely have enough money to eat and you're not making a lot of money when you're out on the road um yeah. so that was probably the biggest struggle coming home and being three months behind on a car payment Ugh. and not being able to f afford rent and you know basically almost getting evicted like it, it was tough it was Oof. a big it was a big challenge at the time yeah um, so and there were there were quite a few shows like we pulled same thing on that on that same tour we went from salt lake city to reno and we as we pulled up there and Ash will remember this, too, because that was actually a really fun experience. But that show got canceled. Yeah. So we show up at 9 a.m. having driven all night from oh Salt Lake God. to Reno. Show gets canceled. And then the next show's in Portland on top of not making money throughout the tour. So yeah. it gets really hard if you're trying to tour like the West Coast and your band's just not it's just not working financially. Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah. And you're sleeping in the van like five out of six five out of seven nights out of the week maybe yeah if you get a place to crash oh my lord and now how do you how do you get get up to play when you only have like a handful of people there is is it you just throw it out there anyway and you just put everything into it yeah what we what we used to do is uh, our band we used to get in these huddles and we used to do jumps and yeah. like stretches together and we'd like collectively talk to each other 
And it was pretty, it was pretty deflating at times. And a lot of the morale was low yeah. in the group. And you could sense that. And sometimes we looked at each other and we just said, you know what? Fuck this. This is a glorified practice. And yeah. we'd still, we'd still play our set. We'd still try to play a hundred percent. Yeah. And act as if there was a thousand people in that room. Nice. Um, but it, it was, it was wearing on you. It did, it did like give you a sense of defeat. You yeah. Know, when you're trying to do this, but counter to that, I do remember after the Portland show, we were supposed to head down to San Francisco or Los Angeles. And we stopped in Sausalito at the Golden Gate Bridge in yeah. San Francisco. And we got to check that out. We had a day off and we got to touch the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Which was probably one of the most coolest experiences I've ever had because and I remember sitting there and saying to myself, I'm 3000 miles away from home. Yeah. I've gotten here playing music and I'm with my best friends. Yep. And I am touching a complete opposite ocean. Like just cool. Yeah. I never would have imagined that. And I just, you know, having that gratitude in that moment just made it so much sweeter. Nice. Like, despite the despite the difficulties, despite the challenges. Yeah. Um, it was definitely still a, an amazing experience. Yeah. You go from this this kid playing guitar hero, you know, somebody's house, and then all of a sudden next you know, you're you know, what you're playing is allowing you to get out to, you know the other part of the country that you wouldn't have seen. Yeah. That's yeah, absolutely. Cool. So now you're still involved with the music scene in any aspect. Um, not directly. I mean, I still have a bunch of friends that are playing in bands. Uh, like my, my buddy skies live who plays Tarkov all the time. He yeah. plays in motionless and white is good. Good buddy. Of oh, mine. Nice. Um, yeah, now, I'm going to age myself. My, my daughter's now 22. She loved motionless and white. So it's just like, but, you know, I'm 50, so I was like, you know, that's kind of old for some of those bands. Well, you got to tell her, you got to tell her he streams Tarkov. There we you gotta go. Get a get her to follow him. Yeah, <laughs> that's too. Funny. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. So yeah. like, I still have a lot of like connections and people that I know through the music industry, yeah. and I would love to get back into a band. Um, and I do want to start like shifting a little bit more into music content. Uh, like, yeah. I I would even love to like write my own like drum EP and then have a a featured guitarist, you know, yeah. like put some tracks over top of that and release that as like my form of content rather right. than, you know, doing the YouTube guides, the Tarkov tutorials, best gun build. Like a yeah. lot of people do that. And I think that there is value to that. Um, but I've always just been somebody that like wanted to set my own path. Yeah. And I think that would be something that I would really enjoy uh, getting into and spending time and my energy doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, one of the questions I, I was going to get to is like, you know, at some point, you know, with, Tark, with a lot of musicians in Tarkov, we have you, Ash. I didn't know there was a connection there. You've got Veritas. You've got, you know, Nikita himself is, is you know, quite the musician. And, and then even yeah. John B being drum and bass, you know, there's it's you know, yeah. we could almost put together a Tarkov band and come up with a, an album of some sort. Absolutely. And I think one peg does vocals. Yes. I see. Yeah. I see Dan Exert's logo back there. He's a big guitar guy, too. Yeah. So like, I love that. I love yeah. the I love the the duality of gaming and music correlation yeah. between everybody. It's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised we don't see maybe I don't look for it. And uh, more musicians just doing the Twitch thing. Right. Yeah. I, I will browse through that that category oftentimes yeah. and like look I'll specifically look for drummers. There's a ton of DJs, but like yeah, there are some guys out there that are really good on the drums um doing their thing. And then yeah. I'll see somebody that I know like 
through the music industry, getting their Twitch channel up, like Herman Lee from Dragon Force. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> it's so cool to see all these musicians like embracing Twitch for the type of culture it is and how powerful it is to yeah. connecting with your audience and, you know, just being able to have that type of engagement with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, you you as a musician, now you have that direct chatting back and forth while you're, you know, it's nowhere near that live show experience, but still it's a way for you to connect to your community at least. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially during the pandemic when bands weren't able to able to perform live they were doing live streams like a lot of bands did some really cool stuff during yeah. the pandemic where they did like playthroughs together but they're all over different parts right. of the world or a band would like rent out a venue and do like a live stream performance yeah. like it was really cool to see how the industry adapted to yeah. the pandemic i will say though that the metal industry the metal and rock industry did it way better than the pop industry yeah and like the the billboard charting music because that's why you started to see a lot of those like dmca strikes and takedowns because yeah. those companies weren't they weren't getting money right and they were going to go after people that were potentially making money off of it but the metal industry and the rock industry like knows they're like no guys hold on like these people are going to support your band you might make sense on the dollar here but come full circle when this is over yeah like the shows are exploding right now. Like yeah. tickets are selling out for every concert that I look at. There's festivals all over the, all over the world. And they're just, it's insane how much of a comeback story yeah. the music industry has had after that. So, yeah. and like, I've been listening to metal and rock on my uh, channel for like five years. I've never had a DMCA issue once. Nice. Yeah. Never. Yeah. It's, you made a good point about the, you know, the metal and the rock Whereas pop didn't really embrace it as much. I'm more of, as I've, you know, as you get old, your music changes, your taste change a little bit. So I'm like sort of the Americana and some, you know, some more smaller bands. Like there's a great band out of New Orleans, been around forever, Cowboy Mouth. They're actually, their drummer is their lead singer and he plays front and center, oh, wow. barefoot. And the energy is just like going to Mardi Gras, essentially. And, and that's, oh, you wow. don't get that from a stream. You have to be at a, a you know, a live show. And, and that's, that's the one thing that I think really we miss from, you know, from a COVID standpoint, those live shows, that energy. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So being a content creator, being a musician, what would yeah. you say from a discoverability standpoint, which is harder as a band trying to, you know, make it big or being that content creator, because there's, you know, hundreds of people. And from a musician standpoint, especially today, you're competing against with anybody who can, you know, record them playing. Right. Absolutely. Ooh, this is actually a very interesting question because having seen both sides of the coin, it's like there, I have like a, a unique perspective to this, right? I'd say it was probably a lot harder to be a band yeah, because it was a lot harder to make money as a band. I yeah. think as a streamer and a content creator, as like yourself with the way these platforms and systems are set up. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm in a very fortunate position where I have been able to do this full time for the last three years. Yeah. I have been more successful in my streaming career than I was ever in my music career. Yeah. And um, if I had the opportunity, I would take the music all day because like once like once you're a band and an artist that catches and yeah. You get that lightning in a bottle. It 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 just goes because the social media is so powerful these right. days. Um, but the the monetary 
uh, income from making music is very, very difficult. And, yeah. and I think, and I'm a big believer that like bands should just stick to what they do themselves. Don't get other management involved or don't get record labels involved if you don't have to, because it's all eating away at that piece of pie. Whereas yeah. the streamer, this is all you, it, yeah. you're, you're one man band, you know, you're, your foot, you're your photographer, you're your video editor. Um, uh, you got to do all that stuff yourself, but there's nothing to share the pie with right. as a band. You know, we'd get that hundred bucks from a, a show and we'd put 75, 80 into the gas tank and give everybody five bucks to go to McDonald's. Right. Yeah. You know, so it was a lot more challenging as a group um, to succeed in that regard versus yeah. being a streamer. But I will say that I have noticed how volatile and wild streaming is because yeah. there are so many people. And like back when I was starting to stream Tarkov, like the highest total viewer count was like 200 300 yeah and like cotton and clean like breaking skulls were like the original people playing the game yeah um and now that there's so many people in the directory right now it is yeah. it's it's hard to grow in a in a category like this where there's so much competition yeah and the competition's not like something that's uh feudal or hostile but that's right. just the reality of it there's only yeah. so many people that are going to go around that want to watch tarkov on a day in and day out so how do you separate yourself yeah to make yourself unique and an experience that somebody that's viewing will want to enjoy stick around and, and then ultimately support monetarily yeah absolutely yeah very i had veritas on and he talked about yeah to be discoverable who's going to go through eight pages of somebody playing tarkov you've got to find you know that like you said that hook or whatnot yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like when I when I had started playing Tarkov at the at the precipice of its like interest level on Twitch yeah. was when I was playing with like a Glock very often and like doing like a lot of pistol runs. Yeah. And that wasn't something that a lot of people were doing because everybody was running the Metaval or whatever M4 right. at the time. So like a little ding dong like me running around with a pistol, like one tapping people was like a very unique thing to see. Yeah. And that's when I started noticing like and garnering some attention, at least in the in the directory. Yeah. As something that would set myself apart from everything else. So the yeah. content was different. And then, you, you know, you get people. That's how you get people in your channel. They talk to you, you interact with them, then they like the experience and then they come back. And that's that's kind of like the recipe for success. Yeah. Now, jumping back to music for a second, you brought up a good point about, you know, having, you know, signing on to a label or whatnot. Do you really need that these days with the tools you have to make music? Um, no, not, not, absolutely not. Um, typically, record labels are often seen as banks yeah. in the eyes of bands uh, where they'll like, they'll, they'll fund all your projects. Like if you need a music video done, they'll pay for it. Yeah. But you're going to have to return that that money usually with not much interest at all yeah uh, but you have to make it back in like percentages uh from your album sales from your merch sales all that type of stuff to ticket sales all that kind of stuff yeah um so um that becomes where it gets to be dicey okay. so as as like newer artists i would just say learn how to do all that stuff on your own because the technology is there it's right yeah. at your disposal and in fact um another friend of mine his name is noah and he plays in a band called bad omens and they self-recorded and produced their entire new record that they just released through uh an album or um a record label called sumerian records yeah which i believe then in turn takes that fi the the finances that they were supposed to be given for the album can now yeah. just be put into other resources like promoting 
merch tour support things like that yeah um so it's not as it doesn't feel like as much is owed to record labels um so i definitely would encourage bands to just you know shoot your shot do the thing yourself and you know if 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 push comes to shove where you need to make that decision and the opportunity is there and you're you're given a favorable deal then consider taking something like that off off the table yeah Uh, but until then like the more you can do on your own the better yeah and now what helps a band more like buying the album or actually going seeing them tour absolutely going to see them at the at the show yeah so like i was just alluding to usually the album sales have to be recuperated to the record label yeah but mostly where bands will actually generate a lot of their income is from ticket sales and merch sales yeah um so if you're going to a show if you're getting this if you're buying the cd great uh buy a hard copy and yep. listen on stream whenever you can um but then like pick up a shirt that's usually where like they're gonna make the most profit from and honestly just going to see them live means the world yeah like i can i could see it on, and i've been i've been going to a ton of shows lately here in seattle that's yeah. kind of one of the reasons why i moved here was it's such a musically eclectic town yeah and so like i'll go to these shows and i can see the vocalists in the band and their eyes light up and they're so excited to have like 1500 people back in front of them playing live and yeah the, like the 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 words of affirmation that they express on stage is just like you can tell like they've needed this for so many years and it's yeah. so impactful and important it's just as important to them as the music is for all of us yeah very cool and now you yeah. actually another thing i wanted um who are some bands people should check out or musicians um so i'm going to a really cool show here at the end of the month uh era the band called era era is doing a headliner with thornhill who's from australia alpha wolf they're also from Australia and then another band called Invent Animate, which is a really cool uh, like progress or uh, like gent metalcore style band, I think from the East Coast. Yeah, um, that's a good tour. There's a really big band coming up called Spirit Box, which is fronted by uh, Courtney LaPlante, I mm-hmm. believe. And they're from Victoria, which is oh, okay. really cool. So a, f- a female fronted metalcore band from Victoria. They're like the biggest name in the industry right now. They are oh, wow. absolutely on fire. Um, definitely make sure you guys go check them out. Yeah. Uh, and my buddy, my buddy Skies, his band Motionless and White just dropped a new album called Scoring the End of the World. So if you've never heard them, I, fantastic album. Definitely got to go give him a listen and go say hi to him when he's streaming. There we go. All right. Well, the pod's over now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so let's. I was gonna say I can go for hours, man. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Actually, you know, I I love to reminisce about some of the shows I've seen, and one of my one of the oddest combos I had was I don't know if you remember Live, their Mental Jewelry album from like I guess probably late '90s, early 2000s. They opened up okay. for the Ramones, and it was such Ooh. a diverse band and the ramon guys who are there to see the ramones were like who are these guys it was just yeah it was it was right it was the oddest combination but wow you know, looking, that's look, yeah that was crazy looking then, back at that and getting to see the ramones man oh i guess yeah. you see everybody with the t-shirts nowadays but they're yeah. like do you listen do you actually listen to their music do you know do you know how monumental this band was <laughs> you know? yeah and then the other big one for me was uh, the second Lollapalooza tour. You had Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ooh. Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, also Temple oh. of the Dog ma- uh, matching up. Ice Cube was the rap artist, and then also Ministry. And oh. Ministry came on just as sun was setting, and the mosh pit was just 
Oh, it was like, yeah, I still get goosebumps thinking about that. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love hearing stories about that and talking that kind of stuff. Like uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers was the first concert that I ever went to oh, no way. when I was like 15 in D.C. Yeah. And then the very first like real metal general access show that I went to was at the 930 Club in D.C. And I saw uh chimera a band called he is legend then it was dragon force yeah and kill switch engage and i was just like whoa <laughs> oh my god and that was like when i was first getting into metal and whatnot and so i yeah. was like blown away at the uh the energy the crowd like it was i'll yeah. never forget that night oh awesome all right so let's jump over to some content creation and streaming so when did you start streaming I started streaming like in 2015, 2016, but not like seriously at yeah. all. I'd like put on my computer. I put OBS on my computer here and there, and I'd like stream some of my Counter-Strike games and, you know, this, that, the third in between work when I had the opportunity. Yeah. Um, but then in 2017, I really switched over to PUBG for a little bit. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. And then shortly after that, I got off the PUBG train really quickly because that's yep. when I found Tarkov after it was just normally released from uh, or it was just released from uh, NDA and early yep. access or whatever. Um, so around 2017 was when I really started picking up streaming and trying to do that like more consistently day in and day out. Yeah. And now what made you what was the re like what was the the calling for it? You know, did you just finish you know, were the touring days wrapping up and you were just, you know, trying to go for something different? Yeah, I had two shitty dead end jobs that I did not give two flying fucks about. <laughs> and uh the band was kind of drying up at the time and it was it was just time for me to focus on something else. So yeah. I was just like all right, after I get done my shifts at work, I'm not going to go out and party. I'm not going to go out and drink. I'm going to go home and play Tarkov Yeah, with some friends and just go ham. Oh, no and way. A couple, like a few years later, it started picking up. At one point, I was like, cool, I could pay my cell phone bill off this. Cool. I could make my car payment now with streaming. And then eventually, yeah. I just got to the point where I like quit my job. And I'm like, I'm going to do this full time and see how it goes. Nice. And now, what, you know, I always ask this question for the people who are doing this. You know, what is yet that experience like when you first get that person in stream who is a stranger you've never you know and they start chatting with you do you like holy shit what you know how do i act you know what how do i engage with these people yeah i found it very hard for me to interact with people initially um when i started streaming because i was trying to get them to stay and stick around for as long as possible yeah so i felt like i was a little bit forceful uh, in terms of how I interacted rather than just like now, like people show up so I can just kind of like relax and do whatever. And, yeah. you know, people enjoy it. Um, but I do remember, I do recall like the early stages of streaming where it was like, I, I, I need to find something to say. I need to fill the void of the silence. Yeah. I need, it's, it was so much beneficial for me to play with other friends yeah. and whatnot when I was, um when I was starting off because like the dialogue was there, the activity yeah. was there. And then when people did come in, um, like, like the focus shifted on them to try and like, you know, entertain want them, them to get yeah. To stick, yeah, entertain them, get them to stick around. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely something that was a bit of a challenge when I was first starting out. Yeah. And now have you basically, you know, your main game you've been streaming is has been Tarkov or have you switched up along the way, changed things? 
I have stuck with Tarkov. Usually when the wipes come around, I always like to come back and like do yeah. the level grind and check out the new content. But usually after you get like around that max level area and then people just start kind of PVPing yeah. like full blown in Tarkov, that's when it just starts to lose interest because like the, the bugs and the desync come out and yeah. like there are like we all know this, there's a cheater epidemic, I guess you could call yep. it, in like Tarkov. So it gets very frustrating to play the game when you're just being like punished and like beat down by this uh because it just it just doesn't become fun right thus the the viewing experience doesn't become fun either like nobody wants to watch somebody mope around to be miserable on stream no. for eight hours a day it's just it's just a bad vibe yeah so, so now what do you I, change over or what you know what do you fill in those spaces when that happens Recently, I tried doing stuff like Daisy, PUBG. Like, oh, going back to PUBG is so much fun. It is, yeah. it is a breath of fresh air because that game's actually really well done and ironed out now. Yeah. And I would highly recommend people to go back and check it out because it's a good experience. Yeah. Um, but whatever seems to find a similar style genre wise, because I noticed that the like the Tarkov audience is very niche and fickle, so they yeah. won't watch like other types of content. Yeah. They'll watch stuff that's quite similar, like Ready or Not, maybe yeah. PUBG or DayZ, uh, other types of survival games. So trying to find other things to like incorporate mm -hmm. is definitely a healthy way to not only uh, like get rid of burnout or try to thwart off burnout, but just try to find other things that are, are enjoyable and fun. And again, like I'm going to go back to music here. That's why I love having this as an option, playing yeah. games as an option. Because if I don't want to play Tarkov one day and I just want to rock out, like I can do that and yep. people will, you know, come hang out and do some requests and I'll do some fun stuff on the nice. drum kit or whatever. So like I that just having those things in your pocket is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to be stuck playing a game that you're not having fun at. Like you said, nobody wants to watch a you know content creator who's not having fun. There's so many, mm -hmm. so many options out there. I can go watch somebody else who's actually enjoying themselves. You don't want to right. come off that way. Yeah, if you're enjoying yourself, then odds are that everybody else in your community is going to be enjoying you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So now, when did you find out you made Twitch Partner? What is your Twitch Partner story? Um, this one's actually really fun to tell. And uh, it started in 2019. I had quit my job and started full-time streaming in like June of 2019. So a little over three years ago. Yeah. And I definitely kicked the bucket way too early on my job. Like it was a terrible experience and it was very uh, not well thought out. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't recommend people <laughs> doing that. Um, so but I stuck to it. I was I was I was treading water and keeping myself afloat. And then TwitchCon in 2019 happened and uh, everybody went. I didn't go because I just was not able to make the financial commitment to it. Yeah. And then I I ran or. I guess he found me, but I was streaming Tarkov one day and Summit 1G came came by my chat and yeah. was like, yo, what's up? And started talking to him. And then ultimately, like, I got to play a few games with him in Tarkov, oh, no which way. is really cool because, like, he's somebody that I was always looked up to. He has a huge following and audience. Yeah. And after that, the viewership skyrocketed after that. Oh, shoot. And, like, word was going around and, like, Tarkov was, like, Summit was playing Tarkov in the second and third. Yeah. And... At that point in time, I started realizing that, like, all right, this is going to be a good opportunity for me to make a partner push. Yeah. Um, so after I had played with him for a few months, he eventually went off and went back to, like, GTA RP or something. Yeah. Uh, and I stuck with Tarkov. So around January of 2019, 
I had put in like two applications. My first one got denied. Yeah. And then the second one finally came through and I was just like, you're kidding me. Like this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, this is real. Like, what? Yeah. So I just I always have to go back and think, think about had that not happened, had that I had not had that opportunity to play with somebody like Summit, would I have made Twitch partner? Right. Uh, even to this day, like, yeah, it, it's still a question that remains um, because viewership fluctuates on Tarkov. Some months I'll have like 150 viewers average. Some days, some months it's like 60, 70. So it's yeah. really volatile. Mm -hmm. um, so I just I have to go back and just, the, you know, give credit to where credit is due. And if that hadn't happened, I don't know if I would have made Twitch partner at that point. Yeah. Wow. So. That's fantastic. So now. You know, I'm sure, I'm assuming you probably got raided a couple of times, possibly by uh, by Summit or some other bigger people along you know over the years. How do you deal with that influx of going from like say X amount to double X or triple X? Like all of a sudden your chat is this. All um, the biggest piece of advice that I'll give to people is just stay stay the course. Just yeah. Stay the course, and people are going to buy into it or not. There's like you can't control what the people are going to do or to say, are they going to follow you? Are you going to sub? So don't force, like don't force people to follow you. Don't force people to do any of that. Like, yeah, the best thing I would always suggest is just stay cool and stay the course, keep doing you do what makes you, you and unique. And then, you know, the, the support will come around and people will find you um, and they'll come back. Yeah. So it's incredible when people spread the love. I've always tried to, you know, rate other people in the community that I feel like could use a couple extra eyes. Maybe yeah. they need to help help getting to like affiliate or something yeah like i i find a lot of value in that and um you know the best thing you can do is just just keep doing what you're doing yeah so excellent now what would you say is some of the toughest things of trying to be a content creator definitely um discoverability yeah um, because that is a challenge and what i've noticed over the last few years at least especially with me is that if you aren't putting content out on other platforms you're basically invisible yep so if you aren't putting content out on twitter or tiktok or reddit or uh instagram things like that like you or youtube you 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 should be using those in order to uh aid the uh discoverability of your channel and it's so important to do that and i see so many people in the industry uh utilizing youtube and having these huge successful platforms that then end up trickling into their twitch channels yeah so if you aren't doing something like that i'd highly suggest learning one of those skills like how to make tiktoks or youtube videos uh because that in turn will direct people into Twitch because like you said earlier, no one's scrolling through eight pages of Tarkov right. streamers. Like, yeah. That's just not going to happen. What's going to happen is they're going to see a TikTok that's funny and they're going to be like, Oh, this guy's pretty cool. Oh, he's live. Oh, I'm going to go check him out. And yeah. that's that it's, it's like, it's like you going to a show and mm -hmm. being like, Hey, I saw this band live. Like yep. this band is insane. They're so cool. And you go tell a friend and the next thing, you know, like they're buying their CD. Right. It's, it's exactly like that. Yep. The word of mouth type of promotion is still so powerful. And in today's industry with social media, everything is right at your fingertips. Yeah. So cool. That is the most effective way to garner an audience and direct people into your Twitch channel. Yeah. Very cool. Now, a lot of the guys who have I've had on been around for a while, like yourselves. They talk about chat. Sometimes chat's crazy on certain days of the week. 
certain nights or certain times of the year, what have you noticed with, you know, with your community and with your chat? Do you have like certain days that are like, oh boy, we got to get ready for today? <laughs> um, no, not that I necessarily um, have found. I've, you know, I've always just been kind of me like a goofball. Yeah. Uh, usually on the weekends, though, it'll be a little bit more fun because like people are drinking and, yeah. and relaxing and enjoying themselves. And so like I'll partake, like I'll grab a beer for the weekend and be yeah. like, hey, cheers, chat, you know, you know, yeah. drink to them and ap appreciate them spending their time with me. Um, so usually the weekends usually get to be a little bit more fun. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. But uh, but nothing, no, nothing really like odd or weird. Yeah. It's, it's usually always like a positive thing. Oh, good. So, yeah. yeah, they're they're talking about a positive. Like Markstrom talks about, you know, Fridays. He calls it Fuckboy Friday, where basically they just, you know, chats a little while, a little crazy. And they, you know, chat, you know, suggest videos for him to watch and share on stream. And it's just, you know, things like that is, is what mm. I mean, like, you know, the, the different days for, you know, for chat or whatnot. So, right. Yeah. Right. I'm a little bit of an airhead at times and I'm a typical drummer. So a lot of stuff just goes <laughs> like right over the head. My chat will say something and I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, Dottie, come on, bro. Like, did you not get that? I'm like, nope, I didn't. <laughs> so. So what, you know, what has been your highlight from, you know, streaming is the, the summit was probably one of the big things, the Twitch partner, what, you know, what sticks out overall? Mm. Twitch drops last year. Oh, no way. <sighs> Deadly slob raids me at three or four o'clock in the morning when I start my 24 hour stream. Yeah. And from there I had had the number one drop spot. This was in 2021 the number one drop spot and like the th second or third highest viewership on Twitch that day. Wow. And the v the follow base that I had gained yeah. doubled in one stream. Wow. And like, like 25,000 people followed Holy my stream that day. Wow. And it was, it was literally action packed from 4 a.m. to 4 a.m. 24 hours nonstop. <laughs> My mods literally were like, I'm never modding for you ever again. Like, this is this is terrible. Like, I hate this. Because how, how do you moderate 70, 80, 90,000 people? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's it was impossible. And yeah. I gave, I, I believe I gave them all like a couple hundred bucks each. Yeah. Um, just to thank them for their time. Because yeah. they, and they did it in shifts. They were very smart about it. Like, they did like four hour shifts at a time or something. Mm -hmm. Um. So like I took a lot of the revenue that I pulled from that stream yeah. and gave that back to them because they, they deserved it. Yeah. Um, but that was probably one of the wildest experiences I've ever had in my life. Like think of a football game. Yep. Like the, the attendance stadium. of a football mm -hmm. game is watching you play a video game. Like that's what, and obviously not everyone's actively watching, right, but, but like just to look at that from, from a sheer numerical perspective is just, yeah it is crazy and like and that is something that i don't think i will ever experience again in my life like, yeah i have i'm i'm becoming more of an optimistic person yeah but like odds are i'm not gonna have ninety thousand people in my twitch chat again like <laughs> I've, i have screenshots and i saved it and yeah all the cool analytics from it and i'm just like that was the wildest ride that was the craziest yeah. thing i've ever done That's... And nothing prepares you for that no absolutely not yeah. like it was just like at one point i was like screw chat i'm not i'm not reading any of it i'm not listening to any of it i'm just gonna talk to who i'm playing with and just focus on the game yep i'll look over and i'll like acknowledge like a subscription or something like that yeah but, like it was going so fast like i it was 
I felt like my brain was powering down, like reading, trying to read oh, how fast like everything was going. It was nuts. Yep. Wow. And so now, you know, somebody who's looking to go live for the first time, what advice would you give them? Um, well, first and foremost, we all know how prominent like tech issues are. So just I would make sure that like the audio video and your connections all good. Um, but just, you know, if there is a there's a high likelihood that no one will be there, but the main thing is to remember why you're doing it in the first place. And that's having fun. Yeah. Just if you're playing with a bunch of buds, doesn't matter. As long as you're having a good time, that's the only thing that's important. Yeah. Is that you remember why you're playing games and having fun. And this is a big struggle that I've come across in my career as a Twitch streamer is that gaming's not just for fun anymore. A lot of times it's to make it's it becomes a business thing. And that really hurts the experience of being a gamer, especially when you're on like a very volatile spot. Like, you know, in three months, I might have to go get another full time. I might have to go get a full time job or something like to yeah. just make ends meet. And that's a very likely reality. Um, so just remember why you do it in the first place. Yeah, because that's the only thing that truly matters is that you're having fun. Yep. And that, you know, you bring up a good point about, you know, it's being a, a streamer. There's more than just playing the game. There's so many different aspects of it. Like you said, there's a the tech side of it, the social media piece of it, editing, all of that goes into it. It's just not playing a video game. Right. Yeah. If I'm if I'm pulling clips and trying to make a video, I will be on my computer from about 11 a.m. to about 3 a.m. Yep. Just and that's with a stream trying to cut down all the content and the footage that I have, bringing it into DaVinci Resolve, sizing it, cutting it, clipping it accordingly, uh, and then putting it out on whatever social platform, right. tagging it. Like, it's a process, especially, yeah. like, I don't have an editor or anything like that. I, um, It's not really, like, in the in the budget. Yeah. Like, Ash, Ash is a good example. He does all of his content on his own. Yeah. But I can imagine he's probably on the computer 12 to 14 hours a day. Yeah. You know, and same with one peg. Like, yeah. No, just just doing that is like it's exhausting and i don't think people realize how much time and effort does go into that yeah and then you know, there's also the the mental fatigue that goes along with this you know trying to you know i i you know i explain people who have no idea what twitch is or anything like that I explain to you know what people are doing in these careers they sitting there whether it is eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, they're just talking to chat. There's no human-human interaction, and that has to have an effect on you over time. Absolutely. I've been experiencing a lot of this lately, recently, where I have been genuinely feeling very, very lonely because yeah. um, I don't have a lot of like friends that I go out with and hang out with on the regular, especially because I'm so busy trying to keep up stream stuff. Yeah. Um, so like when I do 14 hour, 16 hour days, like I just go right back to bed, wake up, do it all over again. And yeah. a couple of my friends now have like families and things that they uh, they have like priorities for. Yeah. So like it's totally understandable. But, um, you know, that the, the social aspect of it is very uh, challenging, um, especially because like I moved here three years ago with only knowing one individual, one person. Yeah. And so like I've gone out and I've made a bunch of friends and whatnot. So um it, it gets challenging to find that work-life balance. And there's a, there's a event coming up here in Seattle called PAX West. Yeah. And one of the gentlemen from a organization that I typically attend their events, it's called SOBA. It's the 
Seattle Online Broadcasters Association. They're doing a panel at PAX West about the social and game, uh, the 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 work life balance of streamers. And I yep. I asked them if I could go speak at that oh, panel because I've I've seen how it directly impacts like me individually and some of the other people that I know. Yeah. And I, you know, I only know surface level stuff from other individuals from what yep. they share on Twitter or private conversations that we have, but it's, it's challenging. Like I've, I've, uh, my, my legs don't, they're not as strong as they have been. Cause I've been sitting down at the computer all day. So I definitely need to like get back into the gym and, yeah. you know, work on, work on my, my body and my muscles a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so like finding the appropriate balance while trying to maintain doing this for, uh, an exuberant amount of hours is is daunting. It's yeah. very challenging. Yeah, and then you you add in the that you know the numbers game or the also the fact you know here in in the, the states healthcare you don't and also you don't have sick days you don't have vacation days. You know it would be nice if somewhere along the way some organization some of the gaming something put something together. If you achieve a certain status within Twitch or YouTube or whatever platform you're on, you earn some days off that compensate you something because it's just not healthy over time if you do this five, ten years. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea that you bring up there that, that there is room for a company or somebody to come out there and, and give the content creators the support they need, whether it's uh, physical help, sick days, or even mental health. Like right. I have had to talk to a therapist over the last few years, you know, just, just kind of get things right, ask a few questions, look yeah. internally, figure some things out that have been become challenges over the, the last few years. Yeah. Um, so it would be really cool to see something like that because there are a lot of hidden, um, hidden barriers that I don't think a lot of people realize when it comes to streaming. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's top down. It's like, and I've seen people like Asmongold talk about it. I believe Summit's commented on it. And numerous other like high-end, top-tier streamers have expressed like, you got to take some time off. Yeah. And it's hard when you're barely making ends meet if right. you are doing it full-time. Yeah. So you really have to try and figure out how to make it all work yep. and do whatever's best for you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because your your mental health is so important. You know, if you're going to jump into the space. Yeah, yeah. And don't don't get me wrong. Like my life has drastically improved ever since I had, uh, ever since I started becoming a full time streamer and playing Tarkov and whatnot. But it does come with a certain specific set of challenges. Yeah, no and, doubt. Um, I know that I, it's not like an isolated problem. It's definitely something that is experienced throughout the industry. Yeah. Um, so whatever we can do to support one another is like uh, probably one of the coolest things you could do, whether it's just even going into another friend's stream and just saying, hey, how you doing? Do you need yeah. somebody to talk to? Yeah, if they're having a rough time, you know, like just just reaching out is uh, like an immense help to a yeah. lot of people that could be having like some difficulties. Yeah. And actually just, you just uh, reminded me of something. So last year I had a conversation with deadly who came on one of our podcasts and he talked about the team, the streamer team he had, the, the marksman. And, uh, you know, cause we were asking, you know, what is this team? And he said, it's really a support group for us to, you know, if, if one of us is sick during one day, the other guys could pick up and stream or just bounce ideas off vent and things like that, because it's your peers who know what you're going through. And, and that's a, a, I thought that was a really, really smart thing to, to have. 
Yeah, and I actually got to meet Deadly Slob and uh, Markstrom at the at Pax East when I oh. went there. Both fantastic individuals, and it's such a cool idea that they have for their like their team, their group. Yeah. Um, because like most of the Twitch teams I see are just like a couple people that are like like forming a somewhat of an organization but to see more action being input into that's actually mm -hmm. really really cool and i think more people should uh create possibilities like that yeah. to support other individuals yeah exactly so so anyway tarkov this game that brought us all together here yeah. um what ha how has it hooked you what about that game has you know, just hooked you to keep playing it for so long i think it's just all the sheer raw mechanics in the game that no other shooter FPS game has, yeah. you know, you have to manually reload your weapon. You have to manually build your, your firearm from the gas block all the way down to the buffer tube. Yeah. Um, you have an individual individualized or compartmentalized health system. Mm -hmm. It's like taking damage to your chest is different from taking damage to your leg. I just don't, I haven't seen another title that's taken that ambitious of an approach to game development now yeah. don't get me wrong tarkov is, is chock full of issues and problems we yes. all know how bad the audio is in mm -hmm. this game and as somebody who is a musician and an audiophile myself that is my biggest gripe with this game yeah you know i could go into 10 out of 10 raids with cheaters it would suck but nine times out of 10 if i die because i don't get like a specific audio cue or i don't hear anything at all like that's what makes me want to break my headset yeah things like that <laughs> yeah. so and i know i know it's such a challenging thing to approach from a game development perspective i just wish that there was a, a way for them to um get the additional help and resources that they might need to yeah. figure out some of those problems because yeah. I think that would just that not only is that better for them and getting them closer to finishing the game, mm -hmm. um, but would just make the experience for everybody else so much better. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your thoughts on the, the new patch with the wipe and everything? I love some of the changes that they did. Most notably, I loved the IR and night vision change. Yes. I'm a, I, I don't do enough night raids, but I absolutely love the experience of night raids. And in, in, in yeah. my opinion, Night raids are how Tarkov should be played. Yeah. You shouldn't be running around like a like like a guy in a chicken outfit or right. whatever with your head cut off, like just going crazy. Like a lot of people like that. It's content. It's 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 exciting for people yeah. to view. But like the experience and what tar what makes Tarkov feel like Tarkov is like, is somebody going to be around the corner? What's behind that door? Yeah. And when you and like in night raids, I typically find people being a lot more cautious, oh, yeah. a lot more uh, conservative in mm -hmm. their movements, in their sound. Um, so like that change to me was one of the coolest things I think that they've done. Yeah. On top of adding the co-op mode. Yes. Why I think that's so important is because it's going to allow people to do like individualized competitions. Yep. And I think that there is a going to be a huge influx of uh content that is going to be released like through youtube or tiktok or stuff because people yeah. will have the ability to go in raids and set up different situations and scenarios yeah. like i've wanted to do this where i get like 10 people 
in a raid. Yeah. Get five bears versus five usecs. Yeah. Guys with tracers loaded up half their mags and just they're just they're just flinging lead at each other. And yeah. I just sit back and I'm just like recording it. Right. Yeah. And making like little stories about that yeah. kind of stuff. Like I love that type of content. And I think that that is going to be a huge driving force of allowing a lot more people to make that type of uh, content to be able to share with the community. Yeah. Um, so I think those two changes were the biggest. I love all the smaller QOL stuff that they did, mm -hmm. like adding the three tactical slots. Yes. I think the flares are really cool because that yeah. changes dynamics of raids. Um, but ultimately, like with all the like the minor content that was added, I'm I'd be more satisfied watching the gameplay loop as a whole for Tarkov change. Yeah. Because at at like the end point of a wipe when it just comes down to pvp everyone's already got hundreds of millions of right. rules they've got they've got like six thick cases full of slick armors and yeah. meta uh meta mutants and stuff like that because all that stuff is so easily attainable i'd yeah. like to find i'd like battle state to figure out a way to balance the game and put more emphasis on the raid itself not the flea market and how many rubles you can make. right because yeah. i think I think ultimately at its core, that would make the experience of going into raid and finding and using the stuff that you need mm -hmm. more uh, more valuable than just being like, all right, I'm going to sell this 2 million ruble thing and I'm just going to buy a kit. Like, right. that's cool. It's great that you have the ability to do that. But at what point does that like dilute the experience in my opinion and yeah i've played i've played tarkov before the flea market was ever even a thing yeah and i can tell you for a fact the game was a lot more challenging back then it is tarkov is easy mode right now like yeah me and all my friends have like 10 plus million rubles our survival rates like 80 80 plus percent yeah like it's not it's it's not hard to fill your bag make a million rubles and walk right. out of the raid yeah so what I think would be really beneficial for the game's experience is to take all that stuff that people so value, so highly value yep. and put more of that in the raid and add more flea market restrictions and right. make it, make it so that people have to really scavenge and look for these pieces that they use that are meta. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why, you know, with 12, when twelve twelve did the civilian flea, I thought that was a big, big improvement. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And and reducing the armor and the ammo that you can get. Yeah. So it's not as, uh, you know, you're not getting people running around with 995 or M61 and one tapping, two tapping you like right every raid. There are still some calibers out there that I think are too meta, like the seven. They moved said they moved 762 BP to Grenadier, which I think is a cool change. Mm -hmm. but I don't think it stops or slows anything down. Right. No. Nope. It, it, and in fact, it would just make it so that all the streamers and all the guys that have more time are yeah. going to get that and have that advantage over everybody else. Whereas if that, if that round, like, like APSX, I used to run the MP7 all the time. The only way you can get APSX is if you find it in raid, you can't craft it. You can't barter for it. You can't do any of that. So, cause that round is essentially nine, nine, five in a SMG and it's, it's just devastating. Yes. Um, but with around like seven six two BP still being able to like two tap level five to the chest, yeah. Um, I I just don't think it should be on a trader. It should be found in raid only, and mm -hmm. I, that just makes firefights so much more engaging. Like exactly. I'll I'll ask you this question: Why do you love the wipe so much? 
Because it levels the playing field and brings everybody back down to that level playing field. You're not running up against the Giga Chats. It right, makes exactly. the firefights extended and, and, you know, those memorable moments that everybody loves, those 15 to 20 minute encounters of cat and mouse chasing somebody down. Yeah, that's what's that's that's what sucks us all into Tarkov. And by the yeah. time we get to endgame Tarkov, it's nothing like that. Yep. It's super soldiers. It's armor. It's ammo that can pen anything. And like fights become point two second TTK. And right. That's that's why people stop. Yep. Because like those that have more time are are obviously heavily favored. Yep. But it's because they know how to work the system of the game. Yeah. So that they get those they get those insane advantages over those that don't have the time. Yeah, they're racing for to get that armor, to get that ammo unlocked. And then, you know, then it's game over for them, at least. Yeah, we're three weeks into wipe and people are already getting their kappas. Yeah. So and that's that's not it's not the streamer's fault for being able to dedicate that much time. It's it's how easy it is to progress through the system and how easy it is to acquire all this these meta attachments and ammo and all that stuff absolutely so i feel i feel like when that changes i feel like tarkov will be a whole new game yep i agree and now back to your night raids i personally love night raids i really wish there were some more cultists going on because you rarely come across those guys and they are scary as hell yeah if they didn't have i mean i haven't done a whole lot of night raids so i'm like not as experienced as i should be on this yeah um but even if they didn't have meta gear like the the fight fighting them at night is really wild and bizarre yeah so even if they didn't have meta gear but they were just more frequent i think yep. that would make make raids a lot more fun like the the whole purpose of tarkov is like it's predicated off rng so everything has to be dynamic and yep. the more dynamic you can make these raids the more fun they are yeah because you never know what you're gonna get no and that's that's the love of that game like if you're going through interchange you don't know if you're gonna come across a, a five man as you're you know picking some filing cabinets like okay lay still do i engage these guys do i let them go it's just yeah it's crazy yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so now what's your favorite map to play oh this has changed over the years quite a few times yeah I will say, as a huge Counter-Strike fan, I love Labs. I hate the way that it's played, and I dislike how cheaters mm-hmm. have like kind of ruined that map because they it's have. the most valuable map. So I love that map just from a sheer design perspective, not to mention it also runs flawlessly. So there's yes. like there's that. You get all the FPS there. Um currently though, I just I just love playing customs. I, yep. I know the customs loop, I know the pro- I know the progression and flow of customs. Um I feel like it could use one or two more changes, but I, I feel like that's the best well-rounded map for PVP, loot, PVE, and it's just a fun experience. Yeah. Um, honestly, though, I miss the way Interchange used to be. Back in point eight when it first came out, when it yeah. first was released, it didn't have AI. It yeah. was all players and player scabs, and that was so cool. Yeah. Um, and the lighting was a lot better before they changed it. Uh, but that was before reserve, before labs. Interchange was the, the oh, juggernaut. Absolutely. That yep. was the five man attack to meta AK Alton. Yeah. Like squads like rolling up into the mall. And, and like, I feel like the PVP experiences in interchange are the best. Mm-hmm. But the way that that map has shifted and changed over the, the different wipe cycles and whatnot. Yeah. I think have turned it against itself. Yeah. Because that's where you have the most extract camping. Mm-hmm. That's where you get a lot of guys sitting in dark corners, just waiting for their right. Just waiting for you to walk in front of them. Um, so I really think that map, if it had like 
a few more extracts. They refix the lighting. I think that would be the best map in the game because yeah, everybody I talk to is like the type of combat that you can get into in interchange is right. so much fun. Yeah. But the way that it's gone has just made it not as enjoyable as people yep. have had preferred in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I had Vaughn on actually yesterday and we were talking about interchange. He goes, when you power up that mall, that mall should be lit up like a Christmas tree. It should not right. be as dark. You know, it's like, yeah, that's right. You're just throwing that power switch. That thing should just like be lit up. There should be no dark right. spaces. Absolutely. Especially like, Oh, I don't know how the malls are designed where like you are, but a lot of malls have really open, uh, uh, like roofs. light. Yeah. So there's a lot of skylight coming in, but it yeah. should not be as dark as it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, pa pair that with the fog and mm -hmm. oh, yeah, the all that other inside. stuff. It's, oh, it's, it's so, so nuts. Yeah. What I also, what's also really weird on interchange and this only happens on interchange and, um, me and my buddies have been testing this. If you go into interchange with, night vision like mm -hmm. goggles on and you flip them on there's like this grainy haze and like it just makes them unusable yeah well, I've, what i've found out is if you turn on dlss it it moves that out oh of okay it, the in, that image is gone it makes your optics look terrible but yeah that haze in your your nods is not there anymore oh so i'm wondering if there is some issue on that map specifically with lighting or whatnot that yeah makes it um less than ideal because it's not an experience that i have on any other map any other map i bring nods on yeah. throw them down they're good they're good to go yeah uh but on interchange that's the only one where there's an issue and if i turn dlss on it fixes it yeah so i i think that there's something to look into there um from the development perspective yeah because if I feel like if they change that lighting back to the way it was, it'd just be so much better. Yeah. Cause you even notice that if you take a thermal into interchange versus custom, it is a big difference of, of yeah. quality. Yeah. There's definitely something funky going on in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wish that they would just revert that back because that, that truly is my favorite map. Yeah. But I just haven't been able to get over some, and some of those problems. And I mean, like player scabs are in those raids in like five minutes. So oh. it's kind of like, you're getting beat to the loot and then you're getting shot by somebody that has yep. nothing to lose. So yeah. That's yeah. The whole, like, ah. the whole player scab. I don't like when they give the player scab 30 minutes on a map, they should come in mm. there's cause they're not sac. They're not gambling. They're not rolling anything, risking anything. Give them the 10 mm. minutes on a map, let them do whatever you want. But yeah, the player scab getting into reserve with 30 minutes. That's just, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. I definitely think that there should be like a percentile where player scabs are allowed into raid like whether that's 60 70 percent yeah you know and they still they still have an, an allotment of time at the end of the raid it's right. not like it's not like where you have to run immediately and get to try and get to your extract like there's yeah. a little bit of chance to play around with the map but not not spawning in with 35 40 minutes still left on an interchange map like that's or reserve like that's just yeah. nuts yeah Ooh. absolutely so now back to rng you know uh have you ran into the new roaming bosses Yes, ah. I did get into a fight with them at the weather station on Shoreline. Oh, okay. Me, me and my buddy Ultimate KC were playing, and we decided to go up to the weather station to look for the safes because I think he needed like a flash drive still. And I immediately peeked over the hill and got like just bombarded with with like tracers. Yeah. And, like so, like two or three different gunshots, and we we're like, "Oh, this is weird." So him and I like held up. We we're like, "All right, there must be a team in there. They must be holding it down." So we waited on like a, a ledge and then all of a sudden big pipe and night just 
run straight at us <laughs> and like i freak out and i spray big pipe down and then him yeah. and i take down night together and we're like okay cool we've got bird eye left and he's probably the hardest one of them all so we uh, we looted up big pipe i still have his pipe like in my image oh no way and and my buddy ultimate has the the voodoo mask yeah um so we tried to circle around that weather station and you know how hard it is going into that spot. Cause like if you're up on any sort mm-hmm. of vertical there, you can see all the different ledge like cliff faces and all that. Yeah. And I tried to make a move and in a bush, like I just got chested oh. and then hit me in the leg and I was, I was limping and then he, and bird, I shot me in the back as I was trying to retreat. Oh, and uh, I, I didn't even see him. I was like, I didn't even get to see him. And then at that point case, my buddy ultimate was like, all right, I don't know what I can do here. And I'm like, you just, just leave. Like you're not, yeah. I don't think you're going to beat him. Like take, take the win right here and yep. get out. But that's oh, the only my. experience I've had with the new goons so far. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So now what do you think is missing from the game in your opinion? Oh man, <laughs> this is a laundry list. So honestly, I really wish that they had the ability to um, make this game like open world. Yeah. So I often find myself craving Daisy because the open world experience makes it so anywhere and everywhere is possibly a combat zone. Whereas like the maps right now with them being timed and instance based, mm-hmm. it's easy to predict where someone's going to spawn, where someone's going to be. You move here, someone's going to move there. Right. You get into a firefight. Boom. Click clang. Yeah. PVP's over. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it would just be a way more it would just be such a unique experience to get to play Tarkov in an open world setting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's honestly one of the biggest things that would completely change Tarkov as a whole. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think as far as I'm concerned, Battlestate said that I don't, I don't think they're going to a full open world project. I don't think they know how to do it Yeah. because it's very difficult from how they've started developing the game. Right. Um, but that would probably make, the game truly the way it's meant to be experienced yeah yeah um, because right now because if you know the extra or the spawn spawn points you know the 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 senior people who are playing this game the experienced guys the vets they know where everybody's spawning so they'll run get a quick kill and then that person who just spawned in they're dead within the first minute just because the, they don't know you know what's coming at them yeah Imagine, imagine if all the maps were connected and you decided to go into a raid and you were randomly dropped off at one map in particular, not the map that you were intending to go to. Yeah. And then you had to, you had to survive your way over to the map that you wanted to play to do your task. Right. And then you had to get out through uh, another part of another map or something like that. Oh, that'd be crazy. It would just make it, it would definitely slow down the process. It would make it very hard for players to like figure out what they need to do and prioritize and increase the level of survivability of the game. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest, this game's supposed to be a survival oriented type of game. Yeah. But as the changes have been made, like it's not like there That's isn't really point. that much. It's there's not much value of life. You, you die, you have 200 million rubles. Who cares? Yeah. You know, yeah. so getting, if, if they, if they could find a way to get back to that, type of gameplay in the future with some of these like content or these uh patches coming up yeah i feel like it would definitely make the game feel the way it was originally meant to be intended to play because like i said back before flea market back before labs and the movement and soft skills stuff like 
target was just a whole different game it yeah. was a survival game it was a challenge getting out of some of those raids and yeah. now it's just kind of like uh it it does feel like it's going the way of the arcade type of shooter yeah so gotcha so now who do you, what way do you like to play tarkov do you prefer solos do you prefer squads two mans five mans um it really just depends on who i'm playing with at the time yeah. I feel like the sweet spots, like a duo trio, if you're really well yeah. like oiled between the group. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mind playing five mans if it's just with a bunch of friends that I'm like goofing off with. Yeah. Just like throwing down. So like the company is always preferred. I used to love playing Tarkov solo before a lot of the changes and like inertia was brought in yeah. because I could make the plays and maneuvers without having to worry about someone holding an angle or covering yeah. or, or exchanging fire with me. Um, uh, but ever since like they they made some of those changes to the games, I much prefer uh, playing with friends and yeah. having the company because I think that's also what makes streaming fun too. Is you got a bunch of friends and you're cracking jokes and absolutely just laughing and having a good time. Yeah, like I'm a very competitive gamer, so like when I am playing by myself, I'm looking to be on top. I'm looking to win the fight. I'm looking yeah. to you know get the kill. Um, but sometimes when I'm just with friends, I'll just goof off and like yeah. I'll run like wacky gear and make wacky plays and like just I just try to get everybody laughing and having a good time. Yeah. So, yeah. The one thing this game really shows you is if you're running with three or four men, how bad we are at communicating and call outs <laughs> and things like that. It just exposes how you know how horrible we are. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a little bit of a struggle and like I have ADHD. And so yeah. sometimes when I'm trying to communicate, like I'm looking at red door and I'm like yeah. barn uh, wall thing. <laughs> I'll have, like one of my buddies will call like we're fighting in the woods on in in woods yeah and they'll be like he's behind the tree i'm like dude we're in a forest <laughs> like come on <laughs> like yeah but ha like when you're thinking like that and it's 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 time sensitive and, th and stuff yeah. like that like it's it's hard to get those those pieces of communication out yeah so, like one of my favorite things i used to love doing when i was a solo player before inner uh, before inertia came into play was i loved getting up into groups yeah. because i knew that i could oh. i could beat them i could beat them to the punch before they could get to communicate effectively like what was going on yeah so like i'd see it there's a there's one clip um there was one clip where i was on labs and this five man opens up server door and like they start walking in and i like i clipped one in the head with a ketter got the second one fell back they were trying to figure out what to do i got behind like a server unit yeah switched out pulled out my glock as the other one started to push me hit him naded one then one pushed out after i threw the nade and, and clipped him and like just getting in between teams like that was a lot of fun but it's <laughs> a lot harder to do now with yeah five mans and inertia and, oh, and yeah. that kind of stuff but it's like that type of stuff is so much fun when yeah. you get into the thick of it. And you're like, your blood's racing, oh God, yes. your heart's, your heart's pumping. Like that's what makes Tarkov feel so yeah. cool at times. Yep. Those pucker yeah. moments. Yep. They're crazy. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So now, who do you normally roll with? Who's your crew? They, crew people. You, you said Casey is um, one person. Yep. My buddy ultimate Casey. I've been playing with a lot. Uh, another friend of mine, I am Kodak. And then I usually play with guys like uh, Desmond Palak, Determined, Destroyer Project, Dominant TV. Like they've all been friends of mine for years. Yeah. Nice. Um, so anytime like they want to play, I'm like, yeah, dude, like because we've been playing this game for four or five years now. Like <laughs> we all just roll together and vibe out. Nice. All right. So now you get to pick an all-star Tarkov squad you get to roll with. OGs, 
current guys, you say their names, they're there for a five-man squad with you. So who are your, who are the four people you're picking? Ooh, a five-man squad. Okay. All-stars, yep. You name it, they All are there. Um, going Ghost Freak. Yep. War- Warren. Yep. Willers. And, hmm, probably my buddy Desmond. Desmond's yep. one of, like, the most efficient people I know at this game. Nice. That's a good crew. All right. Couple OGs in there. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, cool. So now for who are some content creators that you watch that people maybe should check out? Uh, I like watching my buddy Kings. He's always fun. He's got good vibes. Batty's always a good person to watch in the Tarkov community. Um, A couple of guys I don't get to watch often are like my uh, UK EU buddies. Um, but like Dan Exert is mm-hmm. a big morning guy. I love, I love getting to talk to him every time I get a chance. Yeah. Um, deadly slobs, always one of the kindest acts that you'll yeah. ever meet. Really good guy. Um, and, uh, let's see, uh, probably Jesse, Jesse yeah. Kazam has been a really good content creator lately. And someone that's really fun to chill out with. Yeah. So good people. And that's, yeah. you know, this goes to the whole, I think, the Tarkov community. So I've really just been into the Tarkov community. And I've got nothing but great things to say. Everyone's been so, you know, so good, you know, just, uh, you know, easy to talk to. Everyone's sort of ready to help each other. What's your experience been? You've been around this community for a while and experienced other communities. How does Tarkov community compare? Um, it definitely, when I first started playing in the Tarkov community in like 2017, it was definitely the most wholesome and helpful because none of us knew anything about the yeah. We we're all we we're all trying to figure it out. We we're all trying to figure out the quests. We we're all trying to figure out who needs what like and and fig- we were literally all figuring it out back in the day. And that's kind of when like that's when like Pestilli and Deadly Slob were putting out a lot of those guides. Yeah, and they were like super helpful for so many people in the community. Um, since the drops events started rolling around, I have noticed there have been a little bit of knuckleheads that come through like through the community and chat yeah. sometimes. But like most of the time they get pushed out pretty quickly by the positive positivity with like all the other streamers and everybody else in chat. So like usually when it does kind of happen, it's very short lived and it doesn't, it doesn't last because most of the people up and down this directory are very kind and very helpful. Yeah. So cool. I think also part of the reason why it goes that way is because it's a mature, it's an older gaming crowd. You're not, you know, you're not having the, tweens the teens being a large portion you have you know people like us you know 30s 40s you know late 20s really playing this game yeah i'm 32 now um and most of the 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 main bulk of the audience that i see from my chats between like 23 24 and 30 something years old yeah and then like you know you have some uh you have a little bit more of a mature crowd not as much of like the the younger crowd that yeah. would probably like a Fortnite or a rainbow six right or something like that so yeah. yeah cool i think that's a test i think that is a testament to like the kindness and genuine uh, gen- genuineness of yeah. this community as a yeah. whole definitely so now you log off you're not streaming what are you doing what are some of the things you like to enjoy you know other than playing music obviously i've been making a lot of food lately oh nice (laughs) i've been cooking a lot at my house and trying to make like random things that i've never tried before yeah like i've you know that's been that's been something that's uh, a lot of fun. I'll also try to go out and go like recreational shooting with some friends every yeah. once in a while. 
uh, just trying to learn, you know, get some skills, get some drills down, just trying to figure some of that stuff out. Yeah. Um, and then if not that, I'm headed down to the barcade. Grabbing oh, a beer, playing nice. Some, playing some pinball, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's Something fantastic. Like that, or going to a concert. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are what are a couple of dishes that you've you've tried and have you've been surprised by? So I make uh, I've been making like a, a really good chicken bruschetta pasta. Yeah, that's been awesome. Oh, and I've also been trying like some finger foods that I've never really attempted before. Like last night I made uh, twice baked potatoes or potato skins. Oh, yes. so like I'm just some days I'm just like, I kind of just want to like have a little bit of, uh, you know, just some finger food, right, you know, yeah. just something fun. Yeah. And like, you know, just throw some potatoes in the oven, cook it up. There's some sour cream cheese mm-hmm. and bacon bits. Cook Definitely all bacon. Yeah. Um, and then like, I love making breakfast food. Yeah. I'm super into making like bacon and eggs and sausage to come yeah. out with like different breakfast sandwiches and stuff like that or nice. a burrito. You know, that's that's the good stuff right there. Ah, all right. You've got to try making some jalapeno poppers. Okay. I don't know if you've tried that. Basically, you take a jalapeno, cut it in half, scoop out the middle, drop in some cream cheese and bacon, and then you take mm-hmm. a piece of bacon and you wrap it. Ooh, and then you okay. just pop them into the oven and oh man they're good oh, okay it's not the healthiest but it's good right right do you use any like dip for them or do you just eat no, them straight up you don't eat because you got the cream cheese as the filler inside the true. bacon wrapped okay. jalapeno yeah so it's uh that's true yeah oh yeah not good for you but yeah oh so good <laughs> Well, the jalapeno is a vegetable, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, Dottie, you survived Tardux. Hopefully, it wasn't too painful. I really enjoyed you, uh, you know, sharing your experiences and stories. Yeah, absolutely, Noob. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. I always love getting to talk to people about my experiences and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But before you go now, now it's you get to call out somebody. Who who should I reach out to, and who should come on to Tardux and have a good story to tell? Hmm, okay. I'm gonna elect my friend Party Pineapple. Okay. Come sit Excellent. down and talk with you. He's he's a he's a Tarkov vet, he's a streamer vet and fellow drummer. Oh, okay. So Perfect. He's got some good music. He's got some pretty good musical taste like myself. He'd he'd probably make a great guest on the Tardux podcast. Perfect. All right, we'll get him on. Well, thank you so Absolutely. much, man. Nice meeting you. Yeah, it was very nice to meet you too. Thank you so much, everybody that listens, and uh hope you guys have some wonderful Tarkov raids. Mm-hmm.